Our scripture reading today is Psalms 80, verses 1 through 7, and verses 17 through 19. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face to shine upon us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, you will anger, smolder against the prayers of your people. You have fed them with the bread of tears, and you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Kathy. I've made no um, hidden thing that I'm really excited about Christmas. And this week as I was preparing uh, what the Lord might have for us, as he often does, there was new revelation and there was new insight. Um, you think that you've gone through the, the realities of what it is that the Savior was born and then you look at it again, and it has a whole new weight and a whole new meaning, and it, and it just it takes this whole um, new chapter. And I love that that's God's faithfulness at work. So as we, uh, before we get started, I'd invite you, let's just pray together and ask the Lord to be with us in this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would guide and direct, that you would make clear um, the hope we have in Jesus. Father, that you would realign the pieces of our lives and our hearts um, that need to be realigned into the image of Jesus. We give you permission in all things, Father. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So welcome. If you are visiting, if this is your first time, second time, third time, doesn't really matter. We're just so glad that you're visiting with us and that we're able to do this thing called church together, um, whether you're in the room or you're online. So everyone online, hi, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have uh, been awaiting this time, and if it's just me, I'm fine with that, but I think I can safely say we have been awaiting this time, um, jumping into uh, the uh, reality of Christmas. And as we begin the season of Advent, there's a challenge for us. I'm, I'm often one to lay a challenge down in my message, so most of you are familiar with this. But I think we need to look past the familiar and see the miraculous. This, this Advent, I, I think we need to look past the tradition and see the divine. And then we need to ask God to, to show us what we can't see, know, or understand about Christmas. 
the things that we've missed in the years past. Because it is, who knows, it is too easy to wake up January 1st and go, what (laughs) happened? That just blew by. And yet, as a church, we, we designate this time. We are intentional about this time. And yet, we run the risk of punching our ticket, Christmas done, and we're on our way. So, if we can just bring our hearts before the Lord, just say, show me something new. I'm open to it. I'm ready for it. Um, I think the Lord has something really, really cool for us. That's my hope for us in this season. That's a setup line. Here's the punchline. Speaking of hope, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, in our passage in, the, in, in Psalms, to, to get a good idea and an understanding of what the hope of Jesus actually is, we have to go into the Old Testament. We have to go before Jesus shows up on the scene, and we have to just take this one little snapshot in Psalms, but it's all through the Old Testament, that there is a definition to what was Israel's hope. Israel's hope was not um, out of focus. It was not abstract. It was clear what Israel was hoping for. And, and we, can, we can sum it up in one word, that their hope was for a Messiah. But even in that, there were specific characteristics of what hope was going to look like. So let's go to the primary scripture, um, and, and we're going to pull out some different elements or proclamations from the psalmist of what hope was. What is our hope in? What is it defined by? And so reading through that whole passage, um, and again, this was for the the lectionary from this year um, of of what we're reading for this season of hope and this advent of hope. And we read in verse 1, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. There's a description of hope, and it's the shepherd of Israel. So the Messiah, our hope, is that this Messiah will show up, and, and the Messiah will be a shepherd of his people. And so we can, we can read that first proclamation, he is our shepherd. In verse 17, we read that he is the son of man. Also in verse 17, we read that he sits at God's right hand. These are things that define. So it's not just any Messiah. It's a Messiah that shepherds. It's a Messiah that is the Son of Man, identified as such. It's the Messiah that sits at God's right hand, defining what their hope was in. And then finally, this occurs throughout this reading in in verses 3 and verses 17 and verse 19, that he is the source of salvation. A Messiah that shows up with no salvation is not a Messiah. Do you understand that? That, that, that their hope was, was in that not only will Messiah arrive, but Messiah will arrive and he will bring with him salvation for his people. We look back and we see that, that why does this matter? And if you've done any digging at all, um, there's, there is a, just, a, just a mountain of writings from the Old Testament and the New Testament but of, of people that showed up, typically men, claiming to be Messiah. And yet it wasn't too hard to look and say, okay, but you don't, you, you missed box two and three. Not Messiah. And yet in Jesus, 
All the boxes are checked. I'm going to follow you through. Let's leave that slide up because I want to take you to passages in the New Testament that line up with each one of these characteristics of hope. So, for he is our shepherd in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the what? The good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He is the son of man in Matthew 20, 28. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, Jesus talking about himself, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sits at, sits at God's right hand. We read in Mark 14, 62. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. Come on. He's taken every single one of the things that defined Israel's hope and said, yep, that's me. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. And finally, he is the source of our salvation. Uh, in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have hope in Jesus, but it is not just some feeling or abstract unknown. It is a thing that has been defined through the history of human, humanity as we know it. And yet it was met in the person of Jesus. This word made flesh, this God taking on human form. And we ask, why is it so important that we have defined hope? That we have, that we have hope that is not just kind of like, I hope for, you know, stuff. And we read in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and this is a familiar pastor, passage for some, but faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In this process, if we read that verse, that faith is the reality of what we hope for. Church, I would, I would venture that many, prob many times the problem with what we believe and what the world believes, and we often look at the, the brokenness and dysfunction of the world and we say, if they just had faith in Jesus. And I think we miss the root, that what precedes faith? Hope. Faith is the reality of what you hope for. And yet we don't connect even in our own lives that our hope is what this faith springs out of. Our hope for a savior, our hope for redemption, our hope for healing, our hope for peace. Our hope for uh, uh, the, the, re, the rebuilding of the covenant that we, that we had in the Garden of Eden. Hope precedes faith. That's hard. That's not, a, that's not a standard kind of way that I even process this thing called the Christian life and, and, and following after Jesus. Because often my faith will say I believe in Jesus and my hope will say I believe in what? My own ability, luck, good things happen to good people. That, that's what my hope says. And then I wonder why I find myself in an internal conflict sometimes. 
And the truth is, it's because I've, I've, I've solely focused in on what is my faith rooted on, and yet my hope is somewhere else completely. And we, we mentioned this last week. This might be in just an area of your life. That we are human beings, we're complex. We have the capacity to, to hope in one thing in one area, like with our kids or our job, and then over in another area with um, our, our own devotion or our own lives, you know, just personally as individuals, that we would say, we would say well, you know, my hope is here. So understand that this thing is, is, is deep, but hope matters. Hope matters, hope matters, hope matters. And if I could go up to a lost person on the street, I, I think I would say something different about, do you, I wouldn't say, do you believe in Jesus? I would say, what do you hope for? Because until we come into the reality that without Jesus, there is no hope. That my hope is to be restored by the creator of the universe. Then my faith can spring into to life. That can shock me into a new relationship with the, with the Lord. Y'all with me? So what defines our hope and why is it important? What you hope in will consume your thoughts. It's a little litmus test to see where, what do you hope in. So what consumes your thoughts? What you hope in will be what you worship. Worship in the lines of what gets your time, your talent, and your treasure. So just ask the question, what gets your time, your talent, your abilities, your skills, and your money? And you will find what you hope in. And then what you hope in will define the God you serve. This is why all through the Old Testament, it was so important. And it's just like the same lines are repeated over and over and over again about identifying who Yahweh is, who the Messiah will be. It matters where you place your hope. You say, well, what about us today? We live on this side of history. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has laid down his life, has conquered death, hell, and the grave through the power of the resurrection. We have a very unique, very cool opportunity that, that Israel and, and the psalmist didn't have. They could look back and say, yes, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the Messiah is yet to come. Remember what God has done, but the Messiah is yet to come. We get to say the Messiah has come and will come again. So our hope gets defined on both ends of the spectrum of our, of our faith. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 7. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on that day when our Lord Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's affirmation to the church in Corinth, which by the way, if you keep reading 1 Corinthians, um, they're, not, they're not batting a thousand. 
They were kind of a mess. And yet this is his affirmation at the beginning of that letter to that church that was in so much trouble. He was defining for them where their hope should be. He was defining for them what should be the root of the faith that will propel and will shape and will mold and will bring things into correction. Their hope had to be correctly aligned. That's why he takes these two verses to do this. And so I pulled out four different defining characteristics of hope from 1 Corinthians. And in verse 7, pretty simple and straightforward, but we hope in Christ's return. Come on. How often is, am I, is my hope actually tied up in the things of this earth? Political systems, economic disparities and outcomes, conflict, strife, war. And I hope for this and I hope for that and I hope for that. And, and somewhere in the middle of that, the hope, the overwhelming hope that Jesus will return, Christ return, come and set this thing right, kind of gets faded a little. It doesn't disappear, but it gets kind of set aside. In verse 8, Paul tells us that we can hope in the work of the cross. So now this thing that defines our hope is, is what, we, what we know has happened already. So we look forward with Christ's return, but we look to the cross to know that the work of the cross was complete and it was final. We hope in God's faithfulness, verse 9. His faithfulness to do what he says. This is just standard humanity 101. God says, I will do the thing, and then it doesn't happen right away. And maybe two years later, it doesn't happen. And we begin to maybe like say, okay, well, I'll hold some hope for that. But uh, I'm going to leverage my hope a little bit. Try to help the Lord out. But we can have hope in God's faithfulness to do what he says. And then in verse 9, our hope in our partnership with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the church. This thing called the church for all of our dysfunction, for all of our backwards infighting and just friction and just kind of stuff that just doesn't feel great all the time, for all of the Christian leaders who have been knocked off pedestals, Damaging the witness of, of the church. My hope remains that what God has said, and he will partner with his people to enact his kingdom, to do his work in the earth, to share his love with people who are broken and in need of Jesus, that does not change. It doesn't change. I don't care if we become the minority. I don't care if we become the persecuted. That does not change. We are partnership with Jesus for the work of his kingdom in the earth is real. And it's real cool and real easy to claim that standing up here. But it is hard when the man or woman who has written the book or you followed and, and they have just been so instrumental in shaping your faith your walk with the Lord, when you find out that they were a fraud. I start saying, God, I don't really know if I, if I can hope in this anymore. It hurts too much. 
That's why, just like in the Old Testament, we have to continually remind ourselves, what defines my hope? What defines my hope? What defines my hope? Because my circumstance will tell me otherwise. Your circumstance will tell you otherwise. Your experience will tell you otherwise. And yet, in this season of Advent, when Jesus showed up on the scene, hope became a reality in a way that it has never been before in the history of the planet. This is way bigger than a stable in a manger. This is way bigger than uh, a, a history lesson of the old covenant into a new reality. It is all those things, but it is the actual birth of hope that will ignite faith, that will strengthen and shape you in all the manners of the ways that God wants to do. But we miss the hope piece and we miss a lot. Just for the sake of argument, I feel like it's also really important to point out what's not in that passage in Corinthians. Our hope is not in our talents or abilities. You guys are talented. You, you carry so much of the work of this church and you do it with, with joy and you do it well. And yet that's not what our hope is in. Our hope isn't in our denomination. I just gotta say it. We have joy for what God's doing in the Global Methodist Church. We rejoice for the move of the Lord that's taking place and for different pieces of the body that are rising up to, to join in with this vision for the Global Methodist Church. But it does not define our hope. I'm gonna let that one just marinate for a second. Because it's easy to put our hope in this day of excitement, this season of excitement. It's just easy. And if we do, we are missing it. Our hope is not in our plans and strategies. I tend to come up with a new plan and a new strategy about half a dozen a week. And by God's grace, I've learned to just leave it on the piece of paper and trust that if it's supposed to happen, he'll, he'll work it in. It drives some of our council members a little crazy, I'll just tell you. But it's not in our plans and strategies because we can have them. We can put them in, we can implement them and, and, and miss the entire boat. We go to scripture to see what defines my hope. What was unlocked when Jesus was born. Invite the band up. We are going to observe communion this morning. And communion is the practice of realigning our lives to the hope we have in Jesus. Do you realize that without a resurrection, the crucifixion is just another political execution carried out by the Romans. 
You realize without the crucifixion, the birth of Jesus is just a young girl trying to cover her tracks. But all of it lives together. That sounds like blasphemy. But just follow me. Jesus is born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, lived his life blameless, faultless, began to speak love and kingdom into the earth, was crucified for it. And then on the third day, he rose again. And the the minute that tomb rolled away, everything gets solidified and put in stone and lives all these thousands of years later, alive and active for us today. So as we take